Chapter Twenty Three of Souls for Sale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Souls for Sale by Rupert Hughes. Chapter Twenty Three. When the moving picture caravan left Palm Springs, Mem lost the courage that had led her to refuse to go with it. Tom Holby rather coldly advised her to take up the moving pictures as a career. The director praised her and promised not to forget her. Leva Lemaire begged her to come to Los Angeles, where it would be cool and profitable, and warned her not to risk her life in the desert. Also, she collected from Mem the day's wages of seven dollars and a half for her work as an extra woman. This thrilled the girl with her astonishing earning powers. At that rate, she could earn as much in a week as her father earned in a month, even she. But Mem would as soon have followed a pack of gypsies or a circus troupe out of Calverly. It was only when the movie people were gone that she realized how much they had filled the scene, how empty and little the stage was, now that the picture crowd abandoned it. She found a place as maid in the home of a storekeeper at such wages as he could afford. She began the sordid routine of her tasks, but, contrasting them with the glamour of playing tragic roles, she felt herself entombed. Then the summer heat began, and grew so fierce that her employer's wife and children went inside to the seashore. This left her in a position of embarrassment and terror. She was an embarrassment and terror to her employer, too, for she had a beauty that she unwittingly flung over him like a net. Her beauty stung him in his thoughts. It filled his honest soul with poisonous desire. He tried to summon courage to send her away, but the sorrow in her eyes made it impossible to dismiss her. Finally, being as wise as he was good, he determined to flee from the temptation to tempt and took shelter with his wife. Mem had not watched him well enough to note her influence upon him. She went about in a daze, with heavier and heavier heart and tread. She spent much thought upon the letter home that she had not yet written, that she must write if ever she were to go home again. The whole purpose of this long, long journey into loneliness was to be able to write that letter, and it had not yet gone. Every time she made the beginning, her hands flinched from the lying pen, but when her employer left the village for a few days with his family at the coast, one night in a frantic fit of histrionic enthusiasm, she dashed off her fable, sealed it in an envelope, and dropped it after dark in the mailbox. Darling Mama and Papa, how can I write the terrible news? I can hardly bear to think of it, let alone write about it. But my darling husband passed away in the desert. I cannot write you the particulars now, for I am too agitated and grief-stricken, and I do not want to harrow you with details. I know your poor hearts will ache for me, but I beg you not to feel it too deeply, because I am trying to be brave, and I remember what you taught me, that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Poor John did not find the lost mine he was looking for, and he did not find the water-hole he expected, for... After I had waited for him a long time in our camp by a little spring, another prospector brought me word that he had found him and buried him. The poor boy had torn all his clothes off in the thirst madness, and had been dead for three days when found. I cannot write you more now, 
I am in no need of money, and I will come home when I get a little stronger. The climate is doing my health wonderful good, even if it has broken my heart. But don't you worry. I'll be all right, and I'll send you a long letter as soon as I settle down somewhere. All the love in the world from your loving Mem. After she had slipped the letter irrevocably into the mailbox, she realized that the postmark of Palm Springs would be stamped on the envelope. Her place of concealment would be disclosed. Still, it would not matter. She was a widow now in the minds of her people, and she could go back to them and face the future in calm. But she would have to go on playing a part all her life, and playing it once more in the monotonous theater of her own home. She had a fierce desire for her mother's help in the approaching ordeal, but how could she endure it to begin lying again in her dear old father's trusting face? Her soul wanted to run and climb, leaden as her feet were. She was a bit flighty in her head at times nowadays. A longing for cool waters and icy waves assailed her. The Los Angeles paper, which came to the house every day, spoke of Santa Monica as the place where the mountains meet the sea. That phrase had an hallucinative influence. She imagined the vast herd of mountains crowding down to meet the radiant breakers that the Pacific flung upon their shining horns as they bent to dip their muzzles into the surf. The ocean was so near to Palm Springs that her employer spoke of having breakfasted once on the beach and reached home long before dinner time, and that was by the winding motor roads to the northwest. The fantastic notion came to her that she might climb the San Jacinto Sierra and cross it to the ocean as the eagles did, or at least catch a glimpse of blue waves. The mountains had a beckoning look always, and on this afternoon, when a clouded sky gave a little shelter from the sun, she set out to follow her vagary as far as her strength would take her. She crossed a strip of sand as soft as deep-piled velvet and came to a path that slanted up a rounded cliff lifting a granite wall right aloft from the unrippled surface of the desert. The exertion of climbing was more than Mem had bargained for. She was weaker and weightier than she had thought. The steeps that looked so inviting from a distance were ragged and forbidding. The burnt almond mountains were hot and sharp-edged gridirons to her feet. When she was high enough to look down on the leafy thatch of the little village, she grew dizzy and afraid. The loneliness up there was grisly. Something said, go back. She fought the everlasting tendency to retreat from everything she undertook, but gave up and decided to return. And now, as she stared at the swift descent before her, she grew more afraid of climbing down than of climbing up. She hesitated, then mounted a few steps with pain and struggle. She had not the strength to go on, nor the courage to go back. The sun came blazing forth and seemed to spill upon her a yellow-hot mass of metal that slashed her about the head and rolled over her shoulders in blistering ingots. The fiends of height swirled round her. She tried to call for help, but whence? A stone rolled under her foot and shook her from her balance. She wavered, clutched at nothing, whirled, struck, bounded from the hard rock, fell and fell, and then... A smashing blow. Blackness. Silence. End of chapter 23. Recording by Deanna Beauvais.